Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Welcome, everybody, to Parks and Recollection. It's me, Robbie Lowski, with Alan Yangsky. What up, Rollo? How you doing, buddy? I'm psyched. I'm, 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 I love this episode. Very funny episode, um, as they kind of all are. And it's always good to be with you and everybody out there listening away. This one's a are. legend, man. This was one uh, where I think there might be the most popular gifts of any uh, Parks and Rec episode in history. We'll get to that part. But, yeah, it's... it's uh, I don't know. I remember this this episode pretty well, and and uh, I think a lot of fans do too. I think it's a lot of you know a lot of fans' top five, top ten lists. So uh, you know, let's jump right into it. Yeah, absolutely. Take it away. All right. Episode details. The title is "The Fight," written by Amy Poehler. I've heard of her. She plays Leslie Nope in the show. Look her up. Directed by Randall Einhorn. Uh, Randall is a great director. He did a bunch of The Office, and he did a bunch of our show as well. Uh, original air date May twelfth, two thousand eleven. The blurb, Anne's lack of enthusiasm at an offer for a city hall job causes an argument with Leslie while Tom invites everyone to the snake hole to help him promote his new alcoholic beverage. Mmm, yummy. Which is called snake juice. Um, wow, so today, Greg points out today is May 12th, we're recording this on May 12th, so it's 11 years to the day after it aired. That's, I, I don't know, it's something. That's something, right? It means something somewhere. I had something somewhere. Uh, Nope's Notes. This is the second episode written by Amy Poehler. Her first was Telethon, of course. Uh, So how this would usually work is the story was broken in the room, which means the writers would talk about it and figure out what happens in the episode and maybe have a little little document, uh, note cards, etc. that explain what happens. Amy came in pitch on it well, uh, as well, uh, walking through the beats in the story with everyone else. Then she went off to write the draft. Um, her script came in. I think we remember this uh, draft was very good. And so we didn't change that much. Oftentimes, when a writer's draft comes in, you have to rewrite, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this came in pretty strong. And so goes to the table read. We did the table read. You make a few more changes, and then we go shoot it. Um, but you know, her scripts are always very strong, which was kind of a testament to her writing ability and also the perspective she brought from set. Because... You know, the writers are not on set 24-7. They're not on every day. They're not, you know, it, it, you know, you kind of go for your episode. And so 
Amy's there almost every day because she's number one on the call sheet and she just, you know, has an experience with all the other actors and is seeing what is working and what isn't working as well with the other characters. And so she brings that knowledge of the characters and the set to, to, to the writing world, which is very helpful. Um, this episode aired back to back with the next episode, Road Trip, but they were meant to be standalone separate episodes, not meant to air that way. Season three wound up premiering as a mid-season replacement. And the last four episodes aired in two weeks, two episodes a week, so that the season would wrap with the rest of the normal network TV season in May. This is the episode Anne officially joins the rest of the cast as a co-worker in City Hall. We finally did it. So <laughs> people are not, uh, she's not in the, uh, in, in the office reading a newspaper and unexplained why she's there. Uh, the cold open, uh, you see, if you watch it on Peacock, is part of the producer's cut. So after the episode originally aired on NBC, the producer's cut with four minutes of additional material was made available online. I don't know where you even get the original cut because I, re- I realized watching this one, I think it's like 25 minutes or something. And I don't know that you can see the 21 minute version. So who knows? Maybe on a DVD. So go, go buy a DVD player and a, and a, and a DVD of this season. Uh, each actor improvised their snake juice inhibited talking heads. Uh, this is, we got to get to this point. In addition to the improv, the snake juicers spent about two days on their own filming their snake hole lounge scenes, which included the shots used in a montage sequence that showed how drunk each character had become by the end of the night. Amy, Amy Poehler, described the filming as the most fun I've ever had, which I really believe if you watch this episode, you'll get to that part. And it's uh, amazing. And, it, and it's a really fun time for the cast to cut loose. During the opening argument in Ron's talking head, he mockingly refers to a pig's head on a stick, a reference to the novel Lord of the Flies. That's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's a, a lot. lot. A lot of stuff <laughs> that's going a lot in there. That's a lot of stuff. All right, let's get into the show. Chris Traeger has fired Dennis Cooper. Oh, we had a we had a, a, a input from a reader. When we say synopsis, we should say synopsis because the main character of the show is named Leslie Nope. I like so, synopsis. So, so what is the synopsis? We got Nope's notes, and then we can go to the synopsis. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? Yeah, sure. We got to do it. Yeah. We got, I mean, it's it's honestly an oversight that we weren't doing that already, so apologies. All right, let's get into the synopsis. Chris Traeger has fired Dennis Cooper, the former, by the way, this show usually has crazy names. This guy's name is just Dennis Cooper. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, are we, what are we doing? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Did, did, did Mike suddenly stop running the show for like two seconds while no. someone named this character? How did that name get through? <laughs> I don't understand what happened. <laughs> that, that is insane. Uh, Rob says the Pawnee video of people. It's like when we named the store Pawnee video. <laughs> like, okay. Dennis Cooper, the former health department public relations, relations director, is fired by Chris because he hung posters around City Hall to publicly condemn his adulterous wife. Uh, a funny talking head we'll get into. Leslie, yeah. su- Leslie suggests Anne replace him, but her ulterior motive is to spend more time with her friend. Although reluctant, Anne agrees to attend the job interview, and Leslie provides her with an overwhelming amount of reading material to prepare for it. Um, <laughs> okay, I think we can all point to a friend who wants something more for you than you want for yourself. Do actors face this with their agents every meeting? <laughs> I like that. I love that confrontational take. That's like, uh, it's kind of a funny thing that she'll be put in the notes. Rob, what, honest digression here that I am curious about. What is your relationship with your agents? Well, see, I, see I've been, <laughs> I've had a relationship with agents Yes. Literally since I was 13 years old. Yes. So you've been so, working in the biz for a while. Check out this guy's resume. <laughs> it's long. Um, so I always am fascinated when I meet other actors and observe their relationships with their agents and stuff, because my my worry is that my relationship 
was forged when I was 13. And mm-hmm. I'm still doing it like a 13-year-old would do. Mm. And then, or you could look at it the other way, that I've been doing it so long that it's super evolved. And what I, the bottom line is, I don't know, because I, I have a very specific way of dealing with my agents and, and managers. And I don't know if it's like anybody else's or not, but I, um, I'm very um, up in their grill. I'm very, um, I know certain actors don't ever talk to their agents. Or they wait for the agents to call them, or they have no relationship. I'm always, always like, "What's happening? What are we doing? What's the latest thing? What's what's next? Here's what I heard." All of that. I'm I'm super proactive. I think in some ways that makes sense. You know, I, I watch my uh, I watch my girlfriend deal with her her representatives as well, and she's an actor like you. And I think it's a little bit different because for me, as a writer, director, on producer on that side, in some ways as a writer, I'm kind of generating my own content right it's almost like you know i can hey if i want to work on something i i'll come up with it and write it or get some friends and work on together whatever as an actor you kind of have to get sent scripts you know you have to get sent projects to to, um, unless you become a producer which of course you are as well but at a certain point like you're getting sent stuff so you need someone to send that stuff to you so i think it makes sense to be to to be proactive and to be like well what's next and and i do think the squeaky wheel gets the grease because it's like they they know rob's gonna call like i think it it helps i think it helps i for me personally you know again it's a slightly different relationship because i i'm not an actor i'm uh i'm on the other side but i i i sometimes feel like "Eh, should i should i have switched agents more or something i've had the same agent since i was 21 years old (laughs) like just the same agent and like Corey wells at at wme jeff gordon's my movie person and it's like you know, it's it's been working fine. So you know, I, I, my theory on that is, and I've been at every agency over the over the long career, and I it usually is about a ten year yeah, plus run. I've heard and, I've heard shorter too. Ten years, you're, you're being generous, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I, I'm ve- I'm very loyal and give pe- people the benefit of the doubt, and I also know that at the end of the uh, maybe on the edges, and I'm talking about the tiny tiny edges. There's a difference. But for the most part, they're all the same. And I don't mean that. I really, truly mean that. And I don't mean it necessarily in a bad way. Yeah. They're, it's all the same. My old manager, Bernie Brillstein, who did everything from Discover Lorne Michaels and Jim Henson and and, and um, represented all the Saturday Night Live players. He's written a great book. He's a, a legend. Used to, used to believe that if you ch- changed agencies, that was good for one new good job, just yeah. doing that. I don't believe that anymore, by the way. But for a while, I think it was true. Yeah, I, I think the idea is like if you switch, you get a little juice because like they're they're hungrier. They're, they want to impress you when you first get there. But I wouldn't know. <laughs> You're doing right. it fine. Don't change. If it ain't broken, that's don't. What, that's what I was saying. Like at a certain point, I'm like, you know, I've had the same agent lawyer for this, you know, forever. I don't have a manager. It seems, yeah, I'm incredibly busy. <laughs> can, I, yeah. can I, don't have enough time to work on everything I have going on. So, sorry, before we move on, I, I, I was, something you said about why do we name Dennis Cooper, Dennis Cooper stuck in my head. <laughs> yes, yeah. please. I, I wanted to remind what happened and I found our clearance reports and we've talked about this in previous oh, episodes. Shit. This is amazing. That, yes. <laughs> we have to clear everything said so that we don't potentially get sued. And so we have the rights to say anything. And the original name of the script was Dennis Harper. Who cleared? It was allowed. There were um, five or more in Indiana, which made it okay. There was one Jan Harper in Indiana, 
And because there's one Jan Harper in Indiana, we couldn't make reference to it. So if you are, I was thinking about this, if you are Jan Harper in Indiana, listening to this right now, congratulations, you avoided any potential <laughs> reference to you and your personal life. But then we decided to pick a very generic last name that we thought would just blanket and get everybody. And that's why we landed on such a generic name. That is one of the banes of the writer's existence is is clearance, like name clearance, because you pick a name and it doesn't clear. It's like the two paths, as, as, as Greg is talking about, you pick something either very generic that there's tons of people so they can't see you, because if there's one, they can see you, or you pick something that's so crazy that zero people have it. And and Parks usually would choose the latter, but boy, like I, I remember so many calls like, oh, clearance and like you can't do it or whatever. And then the name is weird. I don't know. Well, particularly when, when you're going to say Jan Cooper will give you chlamydia. You, I mean, <laughs> yes. let's face it. That actually is libelous, right? That, that actually is slander. So I really like this talking head. I don't remember shooting this, Rob. It's it, it, these signs. You, it's you holding a bunch of, bunch of signs. I don't know if there are more than this, but yeah, Jan Cooper will give you chlamydia. Chlamydia accepts nearly, affects nearly 100% of Jan Coopers. The Department of Health congratulates Jan Cooper. Miss Chlamydia 2001. Jan, I love you. Please come back. I realize I'm not blameless here. Please. So I, 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 were there more or was this all of them? I, I forget. The, oh, this, this was all of them. And I believe, okay. I, I believe I had to say them as well as show them. And, um, I, I remember laugh. They're all, they all make me laugh still. It's a turn. There's a story in the talking head. He apologizes, then clearly did not work. So then he just went back to a different one. Is it his old tactic of yelling at her? Um, and then we meet him later in the episode. <laughs> anyway, that, yeah. Dennis Cooper appears later in the episode. Well, here's a, is a perfect thing about what I loved about playing Chris is, you know, it's just a comedy engine, you know, there's yeah. like. It just that's just out and out going for it comedy. There's there's but you guys, you you wonderful writers figured out a way to make it actually drive story, too, because that is the impetus for getting Ann Perkins into um, out of her set, out of her really expensive, underused hospital set. Tear down the hospital. Tear down the hospital. Morgan Sackett doing backflips because they could tear down (laughs) that standing set, which we're never shooting on. But yeah, so Morgan was the line producer of the show and and, uh, is a wonderful line producer. I actually saw him a couple nights ago. I had a chat with him, and it was, it was lovely He's to see best. him again. He's he best. is there's no better line producer. He's a wonderful line producer. Yep. I always try to hire him, and Same. he's always busy. Yep. Same. <laughs> he's always busy. Uh, okay, uh, Tom encourages the Parks Department to attend the Snake Hole Lounge for the unveiling of his new alcoholic beverage, Snake Juice. He also requests that they use guerrilla marketing techniques via word of mouth promotion. April shows little interest in attending until Andy suggests they make a game of it by role playing as different people at the bar. April pretends to be Janet Snakehole, an aristocratic widow with a dark secret, while Andy poses as his frequent alter ego FBI agent Bert Macklin. Uh, this, to me, this whole episode is kind of, it's what you always say, which is like, let's have fun, let's be fun, let's do comedy, let's, let's, and it's just an excuse to get everyone in a big room together and get them drunk. And have the whole cast in one, kind of one story. I mean, there's different stories, but like, they're just all in the same room, which doesn't actually happen that much. When you have this many characters, it's actually hard to execute. So it's just a bunch of people in a room getting drunk. Did, is this the first appearance of, of Janet Snakehole and Bert I believe, I believe she, she calls herself Janet Snakehole briefly in a previous episode, but this is the one where she's actually wearing the costume and doing the, the, the sort of mid-Atlantic accent voice or whatever that is. I so, think whatever it, that is. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whatever that is. I don't, I don't know. know. Whatever that is. Whatever that really? is. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of what it is. Uh, this is, uh, so it, this meeting, uh, so let's start from this meeting where, where Tom kind of tells everyone, it's kind of like a sales pitch meeting. He's prepared a script for everyone to ideally memorize, but they can't. Their talking points are high-end VIP and lifestyle. <laughs> um, and it's it, This is kind of like when scripts are delivered on shows the same day as filming. So I, it didn't happen very much on Parks, but I think you may have gone through that experience, Rob. Oh, yes. I'm very familiar. <laughs> it's like, make some shit up. We're about to roll. We got to shoot. Oh. I love just the high-end VIP and lifestyle. It, it sounds like it's the buzzwords of the E channel, which makes me laugh. Yes, you know I mean? it, 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 it's very it's very in character. At this, at this point in the series, you know, we just kind of had a beat on most of the characters. It's just like, uh, you know exactly what's going to happen. I also like this talking head that, that uh, when Ron talks about the only items he'll endorse, U.S. Army issue mustache trimmers, Morton Salt, and the C.R. Lawrence Fane two-inch axe-style scraper oscillating knife blade. <laughs> So, so this, good. Th- this talking head was written by by Mike, and and apparently uh, the version of the episode was Nick's first take. So he just kind of did. That's that's writer and actor kind of in sync there. But very good talking head. You know, I was thinking as I was watching this episode in prep was that you know the fight, which we'll get to, doesn't really happen, and it's a slow burn, and so it happens later on in the episode, right? And so the first act had to set the stage for Leslie and Anne, but that's why there's this big set piece of a B story to like lead the way with Tom in the, in the conference room with everybody that you kind of front load the B story at the beginning. And because the A story of Leslie and Anne is a slow burn. I thought it was really interesting and it, it, it distracts you for a while. Yeah. And I love, I love the, uh, this Janice Nagel, Burt Macklin stuff. I think that this episode is really memorable for that stuff. I just also like, what is what does he say about stealing the president's rubies? He said, <laughs> "It's like that, that like really, and like that." And that also was very inspirational in future episodes when we would write Bird Macklin stuff because I think there's one where he goes to uh, Chris's bachelor party and he has like a long sort of long like one of the longest talking heads ever in the history of the show of 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 <laughs> of like what you what he would do. Yeah, yeah, of of yeah, and two parties where he's like working at working on the cave and he's going to take revenge oh, on you and all this stuff yeah so so this is the, stealing president rumors i think is like the proto like tadpole version of that talking head yeah that we will get to that talking head but when we do that is i think one of the seminal moments of yes. pratt's um, Pr- yeah of pratt, time on the show yeah and pratt comedy machine right okay so here's the talking head Burt macklin fbi i was the best damn agent they had until i was framed for a crime i didn't commit Stealing the president's rubies. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's I mean, so that's stupid. So, yeah, it's so stupid. It's like it's perfect. It's perfect. So I, I you know, because <laughs> I mean, if we know anything, it's like you know, the president's rubies are world renowned. <laughs> Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors. No prep, no mess meals. Now, Factors fresh. Never frozen meals are dietitian approved, which is awesome, and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So, so good. I love this stuff. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore to help you crush your wellness goals. And let me tell you what I crush. They have a smoky bacon and cheddar egg bite that is Good. Mm. I tried their shakes also, and they were so good. Oh, 
I'm a Factor fan. Head to factormeals.com slash parksandrex50 and use code parksandrecs50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code parksandrex50 at factormeals.com slash parksandrex50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Uh, all right, uh, moving on to synopsis. That night at the Snake Hole Lounge, Leslie's surprised and annoyed to find Anne partying on the dance floor instead of preparing for the job interview. Anne introduces Leslie to her latest boyfriend, local radio host, the douche, Nick Kroll. As Leslie and Anne become increasingly drunk from snake juice, Leslie insults Anne's current dating lifestyle. This prompts Anne to insult Leslie for moving too slow with Ben. The fight escalates throughout the night, and Leslie ultimately claims she always has to keep Anne motivated or Anne would not go anywhere. Both declare it best that Anne not work with Leslie after all, and they storm off. Um, we talked about this episode a lot in the writer's room because they had basically never fought in their lives, right? It's like Leslie is like such so worshipful of Anne and just kind of, I don't know, just <laughs> so it is, it's, it's, it's a real, uh, it's, it's required. It's not unrequited love, but it's just such a, you know, a, a sort of peaceful relationship up until this point. And so I think it took a while to break this one, right? I feel like it sat up. This was one of those note cards that kind of sat on the wall for a while. And I think, you know, it's helpful to have Amy write it as well, because it's like, why would they fight? What would it be over? And, you know, what would be realistic? And also, they're also really actual friends, Amy and Rashida. So, yes. You know, they can, you know, as a writer, Amy has all the access you could possibly want as a writer to write something like that. Yeah, they're good friends. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's the other thing. It's like, I think, Rolo, you've mentioned this on the show before, but there's like a Parks text thread, like all this stuff. Like I, I saw Aziz the other day and, and uh, you know, he was still on the Parks text thread. Like, like they're still texting yeah. each other. It's like, really, it's really crazy. I mean, it's still going. So, so I mean, that was one of the things we wanted to keep in mind as this fight got designed was, okay, what would be the level of it? What would be the scope of it? What, how would it be resolved? And, and how would it be realistic? And I think one of the things we always... It's kind of like a. It's kind of like the nuclear bomb is is when you have people get drunk. It's like you don't want to do it every episode, like because it can motivate certain things. Because just like in life, when people get drunk, sometimes things that are out of control happen. And so in this episode, it was like, well, we're going to use that nuclear bomb and have everyone get drunk and and, and sort of it'll it'll help grease the wheels. But of course, you have to motivate the fight and not just have it like, hey, they got drunk and fought. Like you want to have it motivated in a, in, a, in a great way. You know, if memory serves me correctly, I, I remember the idea of them fighting being a card for a long time, but every time we try to break an episode about it, it was like they are, you know, there's um the Pawnee Goddesses, which will wind up being a storyline. I think at one point it was supposed to be about Leslie and Anne. They're each taking rival troops or something. And the idea was always so plot heavy. And I can't remember who it was who pitched it, but like, yes, the the fight should just be about friendship, right? The fight should be we need to instigate it beyond just them drinking, but about bringing her into the city hall. But I think I can't remember who it was who pitched it, honestly, but I think that is what helped crack it, that it wasn't, 
plot heavy, that it was the fact that we've been waiting for a moment like this between two friends, which happens from time to time. Yeah. And it, it was, I, I think it was smart to make it personal. You know, it's obviously a little bit about the, you know, the, the job and all that stuff, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a personal thing between them. And it also made me laugh to see uh, Nick Kroll pop up as the douche. I forgot that that was the plot point that she's like flirting with the douche. I was like, that was unexpected. And it's funny to see Kroll because it's like, you know, he's also come a long way. Like I saw Crowley other day as well. And it was like, he's married, got a baby, got a beautiful wife, Lily. And <laughs> he's like a very mature guy now. <laughs> he's just playing the douche in this episode. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I always love the douche. Great character. Yeah. Nick, Nick is, uh, and it's a, uh, unless I'm wrong, it's one of the few times we see him outside of his studio. That's right. His and we learned his real name, Howard Tuttleman. <laughs> It's <laughs> so good. Which is great. Is there room for some mayonnaise in this lady sandwich is, is one of his lines. We'd be remiss also if we didn't shout out uh, Ben Schwartz as Jean Ralphio, um, one of our favorite guests. And uh, there's a kind of a classic joke here where he begins his run of rhyme songs that don't rhyme. Oh, like, so great. Like he would say, K to the end of the O-P-E, she's the dopest little shorty in all Pawnee, Indiana. So that that it's a, it's a running bit. It's a running bit in this episode. Isn't this also where he's... He's summoned to the dance floor and he pops up. Is right? That's all. That's so amazing. Yes. This began. This began the conceit of John Ralphio popping up. Yes, it's and, and literally popping weird, up like a jack in the box. His weird movements too. So so Leslie says John Ralphio dance up on me like when she's kind of drunk and in the fight with Anne, and then he does his weird like Schwartz movements over to to her. So that, that we was, need to get uh, him back on here. Another another seminal moment. Oh, there'll, there'll be more John Ralphio episodes. We need sure. we, we need us some more Schwartz we, on the we show. We can get him back. Uh, I also I thought I thought it was funny when they do that scene with with Schwartz and Aziz and and they're trying to get uh, Offerman to, to 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 drink the juice and it's like uh, to drink the snake juice and like him enjoying the snake juice is a tremendous buy because there's no way he would like this drink. But they, they serve the story, so he drinks it. And he's like, yeah, I like it, and then he's going around like promoting it but it's like this is crazy you would never like this drink i don't know why we decided to do that do we know what is in the snake juice yeah i think he says it's like i think he has a talking head where he's like uh we i mix a bunch of alcohol together and then i put some coffee in there and some caffeine or you know some coffee flavor stuff and caffeine and uh it's 140 proof which means it's 70 percent alcohol and it tastes kind of like kalua <laughs> so it's like that's that's basically it. it seems like a lot of runoff and then some coffee flavoring so doesn't sound good to me no, I, I think it, it, and it also, as Don Amigo says later in the episode, snake juice is basically rat poison. All right. <laughs> the snake juice provides delicious and popular with the rest of the Parks Department employees, all of whom become extremely drunk, with the exception of Donna, who's on a juice cleanse. Chris arrives to warn Tom that using government employees to promote his personal ventures is a breach of ethics. He tells a disappointed Tom that he must sell his shares of the snake hole lounge if he wants to keep his job. Okay. This is this is maybe your least favorite thing to do is Chris Traeger, which is be the boss and just come in and, and 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 be angry at Tom. I know and it's 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 kind of going back to what Chris was originally brought in to do, which was kind of kick ass and, and deliver bad news. And I'll never forget Mike's thing was Chris is the kind of guy that can tell you you're fired and you don't realize it until you, the meeting is over and you've gone down an elevator, gotten in your car and driven three or four miles. You're, Wait a minute. Did you just fire me? Like that was always that was one of Mike's pitches about who Chris is. And this is a moment where we kind of go back to that for a second. 
Yes. And it's like you're friendly to Tom, but it, you're still the authority figure. So it's kind of going back to that version of Chris. And, and uh, it's interesting. Not a lot of like Chris Tom scenes before this episode. <laughs> I know. Like, 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 it'll come later. Like, believe me, in a, in a show with this many characters, like this many episodes, you're going to cross paths. But yeah, it's it's one of the one of the first like intense scenes between the two of you where you're like warning him he'll be fired or whatever. He'll be, he has to divest his, his uh, interests. Um, who's your favorite alter ego on the show? Boy, there's that, like, I feel like Andy has the most alter egos. We talked about this once, but it's like, he has Burt Mackley, but he also has like so many other ones. It's crazy. Yeah. It's hard to top Burt Macklin. I mean, it, that, and also it's, it's a great, he's really funny as Burt Macklin, but it, I think it's the most iconic like, I think if you, I always go by judging Halloween costumes. Like, how many times do you see a character as out in the real world as a Halloween costume? And if you, there are actually a lot of Burt Macklins. They, I, I've seen it before. And I've also seen the couple's costume, Burt Macklin and Janet Snakehold, which is kind of fun. Yeah. And, and by the way, not too taxing to get because it's like sunglasses and an FBI jacket. And yep. then Janet Snakehold's like that hat. And then like kind of like a dra- dress or whatever. Yep. Uh, good couple's costume. Also good. Also like kind of a cool one to do now because it's like it's not like the show's airing. It's not like, ah, we're doing a, you know. A Euphoria one or whatever. <laughs> it's like, or it's, I don't, I don't know what that costume. I'm would be, dressed but. as somebody from Euphoria. Don't yeah, Ted, you know? oh, Ted, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Show, show like, yeah, Ted. Also, not a taxing one. It's like, can I get a sweater? Can I find a sweater and a fake mustache? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's kind of nice to do one that's not. By super the way, topical. did we just realize that Ted Lasso is basically a ripoff of Nick Offerman's Ron Swanson? <laughs> I mean, He's I'm like sorry. a nice version. It's a sweater. It's and a, a bad mustache. It's a sweater I mean, and just, a mustache. I'm just saying. Hot sweater tape. and a mustache. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, it's like he went to London. Yeah, there actually is an episode where he goes to London. Um, uh, these This talking head with Tom's investment ideas was very fun to write. This is kind of situation where, as the writers, you just get together and write 50 of them. Uh, make a baby tuxedo line. Uh, maybe make a baby tuxedo clothing line, a department store with a guest list, white fur earmuffs for men, a new brand of bottled water called H2Ho, contact lenses that display text messages, invent a foam that smells good, own a nightclub called Eclipse that's only open for one hour, two times a year, and with a cover charge of $5,000. So again, it's kind of like, I, I think we got into this trend of like, let's list 50 things. It's kind of started with like uh, Annie's band names in season one, the rock show episode six. Yeah. Um, but always fun. Um, it's funny when, uh, Donna and Chris, it's always funny to, again, not a lot of Donna Chris scenes, but they have some common ground here. They're like, they're both Donna's on a cleanse and Chris has been on a million cleanses. So they talk cleanses with each other. It's like, Oh, pre broth is an amazing stage. I love that, that, that line of dialogue. That's very, I mean, that is vintage Traeger right there. Pre, pre, pre broth is an amazing stage. <laughs> it's, it's almost all of his characteristics in like five words <laughs> yeah it is really it's it that is a lot of real estate in in, in five words it says everything you need to know about chris have you done cleanses in the past i hadn't when i um played chris i hadn't done them yet because i was afraid i would pass out <laughs> and i have since done them and you get used to them and they're kind of they're, they're when you do them you're not supposed to do them a lot obviously but when you, you when you get the hang of them they, they're kind of cool because you kind of get a little buzzed and pre-broth is an amazing stage, as it turns out. <laughs> what what are I've never done a cleanse. What are your favorite kinds? Like what are the what are the kinds that you've done? So like juice, juice cleanse. Okay. Simple, easy. And ironically, you're like, you think you're gonna be hungry, and 
you're like, do I have to keep, God, I'm so full. All I feel like all I'm doing is drinking juice. All really? Day. There's a lot of peeing. I'm just going to say. There's yeah. a lot well, of peeing. Under. How long do they generally last? I've never done one more than a day, uh, 24 hours. Yeah. Um, but, but people will do, you know, I know people will do 48 and, you know, they're, they're, I, I'm not, I'm no doctor. I don't know what to re- recommend, <laughs> but I have friend, I have um, a trainer that I work with who does at least once every two weeks. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, we also got a shout out. Uh, this is the episode where Jean Ralphio is in the car with everybody. And he says, I'm so alone at the so end of that fun. scene, which is great. Everyone's so drunk. And then uh, that kind of, I believe, ends the act. And we got to talk about, okay, so this is kind of the hallmark of this episode is the series of drunk talking heads, the tower of talking heads of people drunk at the snake hole lounge. Um, and everyone has a great joke and, and the performances are amazing. And I think what ended up happening, like I said earlier, you get everyone in the same room and they're just kind of improving and, and, and getting to hang out. It's, it's kind of the promise of the show in some ways. And, and uh, you'll you see what's in the final cut if you've watched the episode. Um, but in, in this case, uh, the scripted version was not exactly what it was. So here's, I, this is, this is interesting. So, so Greg has just provided me with the original script. Leslie, t- so I'll just read them because it's kind of interesting what, how they, how they change. Starts with Leslie, Leslie talking head. Note, everyone's super drunk as they talk to camera. Leslie crying. Wow, I don't even. Ah, she doesn't even know. Wow. Okay, so that's just that. And talking head, nauseous, bent over and spitting on the floor a little. Uh, 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 oh. So are, that's are, those are nothing. Those are just sounds in the script. So they, I, I think this is, there's a lot of actors' freedom, actors' discovery, as they say. Uh, Tom talking head, Tom cocky. Chris can't stand in my way. Nobody can stand in my way. Nothing is possible. I'm the greatest. So that ended up being, it's like I'm an elephant, right? When I'm in the room, everyone's like, whoa, he's in, he's in here. Ben talking head, finding himself hilarious. Baba booey. Baba booey. So that stayed the same. That stayed the same. And then Andy talking head, concentrating hard. Listening to this, listen to this song, fart and poop and love and stuff and ooh la la and macaroni salad. So that was his original talking head. So who knows if that exists somewhere. But he ends up singing just kind of nonsense, right? What does he end up singing? In this? He does. He does sing the first line. He says "fart and poop and love and oh, stuff." And okay. I think it. Cut and then he, okay, cuts out. Okay, and then, uh, I, I then I think the the most gift talking head in this entire episode is just Ron wearing the Janet Snakehole hat, <laughs> the little like pillbox hat or whatever that is, and then just dancing and pl- then playing that song. And I believe if you search this on YouTube or whatever or Twitter. You can find like a loop of it that's endless. It's just him dancing. It's it's wonderful. It's one of the, I would say, indelible lasting images of this show. So look 100%. it up. It's it's great. It's just it's just him. It's it's so full of joy. It's that delightful Nick Offerman face, um, and and one of the legacies of this episode, the fight, and that's kind of the you know lesson of like kind of let people go and 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 just roll that camera and and, and just see what happens, and, and and that's kind of what happened in that Talking Head Tower. So. Very fun. Very fun. Yeah. All right. The next morning, everyone who drank snake juice is extremely hungover except for Ron, and Tom sells his shares the next morning to John Ralphio, but not before Ron tries to convince Chris to let Tom off the government teeth. Leslie deeply regrets how she treated Anne, 
Ben visits Anne at her home and asks her to forgive Leslie. Anne, who also regrets the fight, is touched by Ben's gesture and reveals that Leslie likes him. Anne decides to attend the job interview, during which she and Leslie apologize to each other. After a second interview with Chris, Anne is given the job on a part-time basis so she continue her work as a nurse. April tries to reprise her role of Janet Snakehole and have Andy reprise Bert Macklin, but a hungover Andy claims Bert is dead, but creates Kip Hackman, Bert Macklin's brother. Then he vomits onto Kyle's shoes. Uh, wow, a lot going on here. It's kind of the lot. wrapping up of the story. <laughs> I do love the the line where where he says, "I'm Bert Macklin's brother, Kip Hackman," and uh, Kyle says, "Why don't they have the same last name?" <laughs> and he says, "Shut up, Kyle." <laughs> uh, I, it's it's uh, this is the resolution of the episode. I mean, it's it's ben, a Ben and Ann scene. It's very funny in the episode where Ben is like, "I don't really know you," <laughs> so it's like it's like it's kind of like a peek behind the curtain. It's like, oh man, all these characters are in the show, but like. Ben and Ann don't have scenes together. Of course, they will down the road, but but he's newish still. So he, there's a Ben and Ann scene where he like gives her advice and stuff, and and that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, there's. I also found it funny that uh, that uh, Jean Ralphio and and Tom have a scene where they talk about Vin Diesel and they're like, yeah, this is like a step. For, it's like you know, this is like Vin doing Boiler Room, which led to Triple X, which led to Furious, and they're like, who would have guessed ten years later? Uh, they would have made eight more Fast and Furious movies and are about to shoot another one. <laughs> so I, many Fast and Furious movies. It's, it's amazing. Crazy. The Vin Diesel run killed me. I mean, it just it, makes me laugh. It's so <laughs> great. And because you really, it just, not only is it funny, but you just go, yeah, of course, that is exactly who loves those movies. Yes. Those two guys. Guy. Boiler Room is a great deep cut. <laughs> it's like Boiler Room. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, oh my God. I mean, it, that is, like Schulte points out, it's kind of a bizarro version of Ray Donovan. It's a Ray Donovan for a different demographic. It's like 100%. a little bit, yeah, it's, a, it's a different type of thing. Boiler Room is a perfect, like, oh, like, who is talking about that? I mean, it's not a bad movie, but... Uh, yeah, and shout out to Justin Lin who, uh, who who directed, I think, the best Fast and Furious movie, Fast Five. And uh, um, we're working on something together. Taiwanese American, one of the few other Taiwanese Americans working in this industry. Um, also, just quick note: gifts, parties, and jobs. Check uh, there in this episode. There's the Snake Juice uh, uh, release party, and Anne gets a new job. So it's two out of the three, and uh, she uh, she finally has an excuse to be in the government building, which is uh, you know it, t- it only took three seasons. It only took three seasons. That's right. Um, any final thoughts on this episode, Rob? Super fun episode. I mean, what could be m- more fun than all your favorite people drunk as skunks? Um, you know, you kind of have. A, I mean, this is it, it, it's kind of got a lot of everything you love. I think. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately why, you know, it appears in a lot of, you know, top 10 lists for the show. It, it's just, you know, again, the promise of the premise. It's all of these people in a room together, interacting, bouncing off each other in ways you haven't seen before. And this, I think, we're in such a peak period of the show because you and and, and Adam brought new life to the show. So we're seeing new sort of combinations that we haven't seen. Like we mentioned, uh, Chris and Tom, Chris and Donna, Ben and Ann. It's like, okay, now you get these fresh new uh, interactions and this is kind of this injection of life into the show. So kind of fun. All right. Oops moment. None that we found. Let us know in the comments if you spot anything with your Eagleton eyes. Uh, there is a previous episode, Oops, upon free- further research and 500 emails and a bunch of tweets. Uh, we'd like to point out that Nick Offerman was in the big block of cheese episode of the West Wing that we mentioned and we talked about on the show. Yes. He, I, I, he was not on a scene with me, I don't believe. But um, he was, we, we, we were sh- ships passing in the night. 
Yes. And your, your paths would cross again in the future. And is this true? Like he, he played, he was in another episode of the West Wing. He was in two different episodes. Is that possible? I believe that's true. Um, I believe he was doing something having to do with the migration of mooses or something. <laughs> or wolves or something. Or or something wolves, like that. Yes, wolves. Wolves. Because in the chat, Greg Levine has posted, Nick Offerman played a character named Jerry in the West Wing episode, The Crackpots and These Women, season one, episode five. So it's, I guess he was in two multiple episodes. So he, the dude was working. Dude was working. If my West Wing memory serves me, he's talking about the uh, migratory wolves. One named Pluey. Pluey. That's I remember Pluey. Wow. Pluey was a big deal. It was a wolves only highway. That's right. It was a wolves only highway. Wow. And I think he's pitching it to CJ. He definitely is pitching it to CJ because I can hear her in my mind's eye. If that's a thing. I don't you hear with your eye, whatever. <laughs> um, but I can hear um, the the great Allison Janney just having a meal out of the name Pluey. 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 <laughs> All right, episode MVP Most Valuable Upon Ian. Which character moment in this episode sticks out to you the most and why? Oh, this is hard. This is really hard. This is really hard. I have I have a lot of candidates. Um, the first one that pops in my mind is just that that literally him dancing with the hat. So Offerman just dancing with a hat. I also would like to shout out Bert Macklin and Janet Stakel. As you said, Halloween costume material. Halloween costume material. So yeah, I'm I'm I concur. You and I are in in sync together. I love those, and and of course we cannot forget Amy, who wrote the episode and kind of designed the whole thing. Does uh, but you know always she's the MVP of almost every episode to be honest. So yeah, <laughs> shout out to her as true. well. Uh, listeners, let us know who your MVP is by tweeting at Team Coco Podcast or by using the hashtag Parks and Recollection. Time for the town hall. Time for the town hall. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. got going on uh we should do it probably the snake hole lounge what do you think oh it makes sense it makes total sense thematic um, this sense w- this one comes to us from michaela in lancashire england mm. okay wow okay i, I that's a, a very very english name for city uh so yeah pour yourself a glass of snake juice over there michaela we are addressing your question hi rob alan greg and the whole gang I'm so happy I found this podcast. I've absolutely hammered through every episode over the last couple of weeks, listening on my drives to and from work, and I'm now caught up, so we'll have to wait for the new app each week. That's awesome. My question is, if the whole Parks gang were local bureaucrats by day and superheroes by night, what powers do you think everyone would have? Thanks for keeping me company every day. Lots of love from Michaela. 
I want to fly. I want to fly. Uh, I you want to fly? Take fly. Okay, I let's take start Chris. with you. I was going to say Chris Traeger. Like that. Like what would what would Chris want to do? I want to fly. Take dibs on flying. Nobody else gets that but me. <laughs> um, that that's the beauty of hosting the podcast. Is I I get to take flying before anybody else. I like flying for you. I like super speed too. I mean, let's give you that too. Why not? It's kind, kind of, of the like flash. Yeah, yeah like, just like it's super energy, just like unlimited, like yep. you know, classic super. I mean, look, Chris has classic superhero looks as well. You could imagine him. Have you ever played a superhero role? I, I like. I did a very obscure movie um, called The Specials. Um, oh yeah, with uh, with um, our, our guy who does. Um, Jesus Christ, he does um, Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn. James Gunn, yes. James Gunn and James Gunn. And um, uh, it's a funny movie, but the writer went on to write and create Chernobyl. Not funny at all, but one of my favorite pieces of of TV in the last 10 years, for sure. Yes. Um, I know Craig. Yeah, Craig Mason. Yeah, I know Craig. Craig Mason and James Gunn. That's crazy. If you haven't seen it, see it. It's super funny. And And I play the weevil. That's so fun. It's also crazy because James Gunn wrote it and Craig directed it. And they're actually, they usually are flipped in those roles. I mean, James I writes a lot of stuff, but like, but Craig is mainly known as a showrunner and writer. He's started in comedy, right? He, yep. You know, and, and he wrote like Scary Movie 3 or some movies like that. And he did a lot of comedy and they needed Chernobyl and won a million Emmys. But yeah, you know, Craig, uh, Craig hosts a podcast of his own um, with, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with John August, another friend of mine, um, and that's that's interesting. Okay, so let's go through the other cast uh, members because we have, you know, I, I I think actually, so you know what? Maybe we should. I think I think Leslie's super ha- Leslie's superpower is uh, she just doesn't sleep. Maybe that's really her. That's her superpower in real life. Mm. I think she she's like, is there a superhero who just uh, is, is like a caffeine person or something who just doesn't sleep and has the energy of uh, of four thousand people and just uh, like you know? I feel like that would be pretty good. She'd be called the Insomniac. But yeah, it's, um, Insomniac is pretty good. Greg is pitching Caffeinator. The Caffeinator. Uh, Insomniac's good. It's like, she, you know, she's always doing, a, you know, a bunch of work. Um, how about, uh, how about uh, Andy Dwyer? Ooh. I think he's got to be like sort of Hulk super strength. I like that. I, I like that where he's, he's breaking through walls. He's like uh, the Kool-Aid man. I also like oh, uh, yeah. maybe his other superpowers. Uh, you could give him any topic and he can write a mediocre song about it. <laughs> That's a really good one. <laughs> not a great song, not a great song, but but he can write a mediocre song about it. Probably using G, C, and D as the as the basis for the chords. Um, <laughs> uh, I think <laughs> uh, uh, Don Eagle, I think uh, probably <laughs> has the ability to uh, drink as much as possible and and never get drunk. <laughs> I don't know if that's a superpower or not, but I feel like she could party and and uh, and be impervious to uh, to hangovers. I think that might yeah. be good. I like that too. For her. Um, Aunt Perkins, I think I think it's the ability to be in City Hall uh, for no reason. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I think Ann Perkins, uh, it would be like what is it like the Mantis? Is that is that on? Who has like that character? Isn't that on one of Chris Pratt's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guardians? It's a she, she, Palm yeah, Palm's yeah. character, Palm Clemente's character. Yeah, where she's like, um, she basically has ESP. So we used to yeah. see in the old days. Intuitive. I feel like I th- if anybody had ESP on the show, it would be Ann Perkins. She's an empath, an empath. Mm. Uh, I think Ben could be a, 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 a supercomputer. So he could be like uh, almost like Professor X, but without the, maybe without the telepathy, just like really smart and he could do calculations. Maybe he's like a, 
I don't know. I, he'd be what, Kurt. He'd be um, he'd be Kurt Russell in the computer wore tennis shoes. <laughs> oh wow! I love that ref. Wow! Come on now. But I, oh wait, by the way, this is a this is a tangent. But I also, but yeah, but I also like that. Like all these guys, like almost all the MCU guys, like in addition to their power, are also almost all geniuses. It's like Tony Stark, Iron Man. Is, you know, he has a suit. And he's a genius. It's like yeah. Hulk. Hulk. Like is Hulk, but he's also a genius. Like they're all, they're also geniuses. Like they're like they're like if you're not a genius in the in the MCU, it's like what's wrong with you? <laughs> like you have to be a genius. It's 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 Doctor Strange. He's a genius. They're all geniuses. I know. <laughs> you're right. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. They're all, I was like, he's a genius. I was like, well, that's every character. Like which character is like that? Um, and then Jerry, of course, uh, has no powers. <laughs> no. I feel like Ron would like fashion any tool or any weapon you need immediately. Oh, that's great. That's kind of that's great. So that's there's a character named Forge in the X Men who can kind of build anything out of any. So maybe Ron can build anything out of anything like that. Be kind of cool. Like hey, hey, you have like uh, you know a, a teacup and a, a dumbbell. Like can you build a boat out of it? You can build a boat out of it. That's kind of cool. Uh, we got to do April. Maybe April can just be Catwoman. I think she's yes, <laughs> she's yes. Or the intern. The intern. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, thank you for the question, Michaela. Keep listening over there in England. Very flattering. Thank you for uh, burning through the whole uh, the whole uh, run of the show. Um, anything else, Rob? No, I, th- that, I again, that was a, a fun, fun, fun episode. I, this I is have nothing more to add to that. We're peaking. We're peaking with these episodes. Good job to everyone who worked on the show and yeah. this show. Thank you for listening, everybody. Subscribe where you get your podcasts. Five-star review on Apple, please. Thank you to Schulte and Greg. And goodbye from Pawnee. See you next week. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. 